Hey, Marcus, do you like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, uh, Mr. Burnett, do you like movies? Yes, sir. Well, that's that's a wonderful thing. This is Zebras in America podcast, cinema podcast, uh, where we love to celebrate movies of our heroes, and then occasionally we get to talk to our heroes. We have a very exciting guest today, returning, uh, is a filmmaker, writer, director, um, important important person in, in the history of cinema, uh, Mr. Charles Burnett. All right. Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, so, um... Oh, you, you yeah, go. No, no, you yeah, go no, 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 you know, go take, 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 take the wheel, Scott. Okay, so I know that we're, one thing that we wanted to celebrate is that it's the 25 year anniversary of Night John, which is in, which is part of movies that were originally broadcast on TV, part of, of your career, um, starring Allison Jones, Carl Lumley, Lorraine Toussaint, Bill Cobbs, Bo Bridges, Kathleen York, Gabriel Cassius. And it's a film about, on, on, on its face, a film about a, a slave teaching another slave how to read and the power of, of knowledge. But obviously there's a lot more going on there. Uh, what, is, what is Night John to you? Um... He's an interesting person. I, I really, he's a, in a sense, a sort of a hero, an unsung hero in many ways. I mean, he understood education, uh, and he knew the value of, 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 of teaching it to, you know, young people. Uh, he risked his life doing it, and I think one of the things that made me interested in it, how I got interested, was the fact that, you know. Education is, is, is an important tool, and I remember coming up through school, and I really didn't understand the value of education, and uh, I ignored it, and uh, because uh, you know you you just thrown into school, and and no one's you know set you down and says you know what education is about, you know, it's about the future, it's about getting ahead, it's about being in competition with other folks and survival, all those things, you know. It wasn't until I got into college that all of a sudden it dawned on me. Hey, you know, you should have been doing this. You should have been learning. And I was one of these kids that, that you know, I, I just played around and uh, not taking it serious. And then, you know, you, later on, you you wish you had have um, paid more attention and uh, really understood what the value of it is because, you know, that is so important in your life. You know, and it's, it's also important in your life, but it's also important in your kids' life. And and then I suppose it'd be important for their kids' life. On and on and on. I, I don't remember who said this, but someone said education starts a hundred years before you're born, and yeah. I understand wow. that. So, and 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 this, Night John played an important part because it, it showed how people risked their lives to to learn how to read, you know. And we take it for granted, you know. And I, and I look at that part of it as so, so it's such an important aspect of the people. All groups have to pay respect for those people who risk their lives. And trying to learn and, and, and school their kids, as you as if you've seen the film, you know Night John got whiplashes and all that sort of thing for for trying to teach uh, reading and writing to other slaves. Yeah, you know, I, and I wanted to add on to that too because I've actually been 
uh, to prepare for this podcast, I rewatched this movie for the first time in a long time, and then I've been going back to certain scenes. And to add on to the whole, for me at least, and my age and Scott's range, we're big into information and the passing on of information and, and whatnot. And that's another thing that I found so great about this movie too is that learning to read, but also just the idea of like to intercept in- information to to get info that's not meant for you you know what i mean like there's um you know che, che guevara you know, and i'm sure other people have said iterations are the same term but it's just like people who don't have education or who can't read are the easiest ones to deceive and Absolutely. you know and we see this this young girl um you know as the movie you know it, it's not so much that she's not just learning how to read but she's learning how to like obtain and understand information and the importance of the inf- of, of of information because it's like a lot of times i feel like and this is you know like even like my, my own father he always and i'm sure scott's dad as well or parents emphasize the whole idea of like reading 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 but like it's not it doesn't just stop at learning how to read it's like learning how to like read and understand knowledge mm-hmm. it's not just about words or or learning letters as as they as they say say in the movie which i thought was a really cool term that uh that 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 they say yeah so yeah, yeah. you know growing up my father and mother knew that i i had trouble with authority figures and teachers so I, I didn't always get the best from there, but I but my parents taught how important it was for us to know about history and our history, my my history being, you know, of Eastern European Jewish descent. But, you know, when you tell I, I say this all the time, when you tell micro stories, it's it's a way to get it universal. And you look at the power of education and the power of being informed. And that was very important to me growing up. It was important right now, especially in the days of, we live in a time where where truth does not ha- have the meaning that it used to mean. So the power of learning creates this really powerful paradigm. And then through this movie, I'm able to also remind myself about how in, in the past, people are discouraged because intelligence leads to, education leads to questioning, and questioning can lead to revolution. Uh, before the Gutenberg Bible, Christians were discouraged from reading it because they could make their own interpretations. Countries with antiquated practices that we might think are bad or confusing or tyrannical when people come in and educate people that's when things can change in in prisons recidivism is usually let lowered when education programs are mm-hmm. are given and that's so, you know something that we don't talk about during these covid times is that prisons are very unsafe places for people there often people there for un un, un nonviolent crimes or crimes that shouldn't even be considered crimes like marijuana offenses. Mm-hmm. You have certain certain states where marijuana has become this affluent industry, but then there's all these young young people and that are that the numbers of of the populations of people who who are in jail for these sort of things are the percentages of non-white people are very large. And then you see that one of the 
few things that really lessens recidivism is education, which has been taken away from so many uh, prison programs right now, because during COVID, not only are prisoners incredibly unsafe, and I've read that COs are getting the vaccine, but prisoners are not, and they're not getting the education that they used to, and the the power of of this movie is creating pedagogy of freedom. So obviously, like I could, I read this, I read Pedagogy of the Press by Paulo Freire, and then I'm immediately taken to these stories because in in the in during slavery, education could cause death. Yeah. And for for Night well, John, <clears throat> for Night John, it's yeah. worth it. Night John's willing to do this. Night John is is willing to put himself back into the shackles of slavery to teach. Because he, he's not, as you as you said, Mister Burnett, he's not thinking about now. He's thinking a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what really blows me away about this. Is is what I, I'm saying nonsense or or? No, no, it, it, it's true because I mean education. I mean, it informs you. It gives you self esteem, and so many it makes it it allows you to compete on the on, on, on a larger stage. You know, um, it. Uh, you discover a lot about yourself and your history. You know, I remember when I was in, I don't know what level of education I was in, some grade school, like uh, elementary school or something like that. And um, and we were, it was an art class, and the teacher was telling us that uh, Egyptians can't draw, you know, because they draw flat figures, you know, one-dimensional figures. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, it took me years, and I believed that for a very long time because I've seen you know, Egyptian art, not anything, but you know these hieroglyphics, you know, and um, and so I, I I took them granted. And then when I went to Egypt, I mean, it was a revelation. It was like I don't believe this, and I was so angry at what the teacher had told us, you know, that they can't draw, and so you never realize they can draw. Those people built things that were like. Uh, that made the Parthenon and all that stuff look like like um, Lego sets, you know, and it was so impressive. And just the art itself and 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 uh, and the language, uh, you know, the writing and all that stuff was just remarkable. And we came away. I remember I was with the producer, one of the producers of the film I did, and he was so amazed. He thought space people did that. They made the columns, mm-hmm. made made Luxor and in the Valley of the Kings, all of those things. He couldn't believe human beings did that, you know. And and I went away and and I was an adult when I went there and I remember being so angry at at um, this art teacher because if he would have said the truth and said, uh, you know, this is what great civilization did in Egypt and and, and the Nubian civilization, all those people in, in Africa created some of, I mean, created art, mathematics, all that stuff, that would have energized me in such a way where I wouldn't have felt that, you know, that, you know, because black people were told nothing we did had any value, you know. And so if you go away with that without having to explore yourself and see that, no, uh, modern society came from those, what they call non-industrialized societies, you know, and and places like Africa and Egypt and, and Arabic countries and things like that, we would just have this, like, on, only this belief that only the Westerners did 
made made these huge, uh, you know, advances in everything, science, medicine, and all that stuff. And you realize yeah. if you if you had read any of that stuff on your own, you'd realize that no, this was uh, done uh, in, in in Africa long before it became. I mean, America didn't exist, and all these other places, Germany yeah. didn't exist, in it, but those places had all of this, you know. It, you know, the Ottoman Empire, all those things had maps, not and houses and fire and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, so, I mean, it takes, you know, if, if no one tells you, you have to do, explore it on your own and discover those things. And you only can do that if you can read, you know. Right. And yeah. I, I, I had a, 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 a serious problem when I was growing up because I had this terrible speech imp impediment. And so, in a certain way, uh, I sort of avoided education because words were my enemy in a certain way because it meant that you know they were, they were problematic and just trying to pronounce them so I stayed away from it you know and so I had this big gap because of this speech impediment that you know if I didn't have to say it then I wouldn't be embarrassed you know so so this I had is, a disadvantage I, I didn't mean to cut you but everything you're saying right now I don't know have you had a chance to see um, Steve McQueen's film Education I did I did I, I feel like so, so much of what you're saying right now, and, and also not a lot of people know this, or unless, I mean, if you read about it, that particular story within that series, uh, the, the, the education film, is loosely based on Steve McQueen's own life. Like, I, like when, I, when, 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 when yeah. he was a yeah. kid. Which, yeah. for if you haven't seen Education, it's one of Steve McQueen's excellent five yeah. series about small acts, which is about how there is a systemized um, educational attack on young black children in England, particularly of Caribbean descent. Yeah. And if you look at the tradition of the great historians, so many of them, you know, one of one of the people that I'm most inspired by, CLR James, was mm -hmm. a Caribbean historian. So yeah. to take away these powers from people is is a particular part of of oppression. You were just saying, Mr. Burnett, that that words were difficult, but words are are the enemy of the oppressor and the weapon yeah. of the oppressed. Yeah, you yeah you 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 learn that through reading. Actually, ironically, you know, learning and collecting all these wonderful books and great books that sort of that dealt with these issues. You know, and um, but, you know, I, I I spoke with Steve McQueen a couple of weeks ago because he was getting an award in in oh, wow. Oregon. And I noticed that I didn't bring it up, but I noticed that that he did have a sort of a speech impediment. It looked like he had it in the past, and uh, and so I knew where that came from. You know, he, I we didn't talk about you know, the, 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 where he got the idea from to do education, but I figured it came from his own experience in a way. You know, I remember one of the things about it that was that further embarrassed you was because you know kids tease you and stuff like that mm. and. And you're considered, you know, uh, mentally retarded to some extent. I remember when I was in class in elementary school, uh, the teacher would he walked down the aisle of the, of the classroom and pointed to different students and said, "You're not going to be anything, and you're not going to be anything." Oh, jeez! And he got, and he got to me and he said, "You're not going to be anything." And I remember that. I remember walking home. In fact, that had a, 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 a sort of a strange effect on me because. I was really angry, but also what it did was, I said to myself, walking home, 
I'm going to write about this someday because I see how this destroys the kids, how it destroys the kids in my neighborhood. You know, there were, there were other factors too, like lead in the system, lead in the water, and all that sort of thing didn't help any. But no, it was no, this, no. it was this attitude that, you know, because they didn't understand, you know, what young kids were going through, and uh, that they just automatically branded them as retarded, you know, and. Uh, and it, it was something that that was really disastrous and for me for a very long time, you know, because uh, I stayed away from words and I mean it was like, you know, uh, you know like, uh, you know like words were like if you know you cross your fingers and across something like that I don't want to be around them, you know, that kind of stuff. It was as silly <laughs> as that. But uh, no, it it can have, and I've looked at kids who had parents and teachers and in an environment where they didn't criticize the student, they always encouraged them, you know, and said, oh, Johnny, don't worry about this, you you know, very nurturing. You know, where mm -hmm. I came from, the, one of the teachers said um, in high school to, 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 to the class, look, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous, <laughs> you know, all those crazy things, you know. And, uh, but, you know, you appreciate kids who had parents who were very strong and, and, uh, Encourage them to, to 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 learn, and don't worry about these idiots out there that are teaching schools who shouldn't be shouldn't be near a classroom. You know? Oh yeah. So, so anyway, I'm going off on this different ten and everything. So no, that's what we do here. I, it's hearing you. I mean, because I think it's also <clears throat> hi Doug. It is it, it is it is kind of a generational thing, because. I grew up in a mostly white, mostly li liberal town that, that very much catered towards the small handful of people of color that were from that town. So if anything, I kind of grew up in a bubble where I didn't experience this. But my dad, who you know came up in the New York City school system, he was always very paranoid of young, specifically black children. And I'll be a little more specific, black boys being so quickly labeled as some of the stuff you know that you, know, that you, you, you were saying. Mm -hmm. So like he was very overprotective of me. And to kind of bring it back to what we were saying earlier, anytime there was like a teacher conference, like you know, like the first week of school, the parents come to school at night and talk to all the teachers and see what they'll be learning. And every year, my dad would, you know, he'd say, are they going to be learning about Africa? Are they going to be learning mm -hmm. about Africa? This wasn't necessarily in math or science. This was more in the social studies, English classes. And, you know, when you're like 12, 13, 14, you know, I would just roll my eyes whenever... He would inquire about this, but now I, you know, I get it because, and and then I went on to study architecture at Hampton University, and just you know, when you think of architecture, even to this day, and unfortunately, I think it'll be forever. Things like columns, you know, like Greek and Roman architecture, are always going to be the most synonymous thing um, with that. But it's really, yeah, it's stuff like the pyramids are still still elude so many people. I was just saying things like you know, it's it's really the pyramids also that are just, if not, or if not more elusive and important to architecture, just from, from, from the mm -hmm. most foundational standpoint. So now I get why, cause you know, and, and it, and it's true. It's like, I also think it's also no coincidence that when you think of Greek, you think of Roman, you think of white skin. When you think of Egypt, you think of Africa, you think of darker skin. And I think subconsciously, just the way so many people are raised, not even just white people. I think a lot of people are raised to think Oh, well, this person's black or this person's not white, so they're not capable of doing something this intelligent. And that's unfortunate, and it's a hard truth, but I do think, and some people don't even realize they do it. Some people do realize they do it. And I think a lot of that does come from 
a lot of subconscious stuff. And I think a lot of it is rooted in this country's history, like, you know, like we see in Night John. You know what I mean? You right. have... I, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because I think of, you know, Bill Cobb's performance, too. He's, he's kind of the elder slave in the film. And even him, he's very much against... I mean, it, obviously, it's based in fear, but he's, for the majority of the movie... He eventually kind of comes around, but he's kind of anti, like, you know, reading. We don't, you know, like, you know, don't teach that girl to read like it's dangerous, you know, because um, he's been conditioned to think that, you know, black people, slaves, whoever, shouldn't shouldn't know letters and shouldn't learn how to read. So it, well, it, it, it's really deep and layered. You know? Yeah, but he says it not because he deep down believes it's bad, but it's because the consequences of reading and let it let him. The slave master catch you reading means death, yeah, sure, mutilation, true, like true. he has his fingers cut off, you know, and sure, Night John yeah. has these big whips in the back. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, you want to get this girl whipped like yeah. you? Yeah. So, I mean, he's not a bad guy, but he's... Oh, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But some people may consider that, but he's been conditioned, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's that should make people want to read even more, young people. And one of the things that really, uh, you know... Uh, made me really happy that I made the film. And and Bill Kane, the writer, did a great job in, in many ways. I was quite surprised. But uh, I was, uh, a guy came by, he, he, uh, it was a man who was fixing my house or doing something in the back. And his helper was this young guy who was going to college. And we were talking, and he didn't know I had made the film. And we were talking about heroes and things like that. And he, and he came out of the blue said, one of my heroes is Night John. And and I was surprised, and I said, Night John, what Night John are you talking about? He said, there was a film called Night John, and I saw it when I was at SC, and the guy that played, I mean, you know, the character is one of the guys I really admired, you know? And I said, wow, that's interesting. So I told him, you know, you know, you know I, I, I made a film called Night John. I think that's the one you're talking about, you know? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah, and it, it makes you really, I'm pleased that you've done something that would have some impact and some significance. It's not about like like trying to get you to to, to you know like an opioid or something like that or, or make you forget or and, you know uh, it's not about just pure entertainment or attention, but it's about it says something you know and yeah. it takes you to another place. And so I'm very happy that the film did that you know, and uh, right. I hope more and films do do that. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, also for people who are listening, you can find Night John on, on Amazon Prime currently as we're watching. And I think one thing to, to, to circle back on a couple things that we talked about, you know, is all educational negligence purposeful when someone says, oh, the aliens must have made, made the pyramids instead yeah. of considering the brilliance of these right. traditions oh, that come from Africa and the Middle East, or the fact that our number system is an Arabic number system, mm -hmm. yeah. that, the, that the Euclideans and the Pythagoreans were working with people from Africa and Arabic nations to learn and trade understanding. That, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, just yeah. because you can't figure out how ancient civilizations built stuff, doesn't mean they got help from aliens. And that's that's when this this ignorance is when I think about microaggressions, I think of educational ignorance and the fact that narrative is power and that mental health that we is is a particularly misunderstood idea that's not often afforded 
to young black men. You know, when when young white men do rageful things, oh, they're misunderstood. But mm-hmm. how it's how it's given to to other people is you can look at the numbers. You can look at that it's systematically misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And in in the late '90s, you did some uh, a few movies that were educational and 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 but also entertaining mm-hmm. like night john which from what i understand was was released on the disney channel through hallmark and then you did selma oh selma mm-hmm. right? selma lord lord selma selma, selma mm-hmm. lord selma which is about events leading to sunday bloody sunday and the selma walk and and the the southern religious tradition you you know you've you've dealt with these ideas or even when you made later Nat Turner a troublesome property or Nimbimia the struggle for liberation or even the wedding to a certain extent and you're you're talking about these stories that create a true narrative of of acts and film but you're also telling these stories and yeah how how did how did Night John come to be um, Bill Kane, who's a Jesuit priest in New York, um, really an interesting guy, a great writer. He's done some TV stuff before. And um, his, his stuff is really thoughtful. He's a Jesuit, you know, so they're really good in many ways. Of, 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 you know, they really take things seriously, education and so forth. And he, I guess, uh, uh, read um, Gary Paulson's book called Night Job. And I think he may have read another book um, that uh, was about slavery in that period. And in that book, I forget the name of it, uh, there is a mention of a night john uh, in it. Um, so I don't know if there's a real character by the name of night john in, 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 in history, but it was certainly in the book. Um, and oh, I can't think of the guy's name who, um, I should think of his name, uh, who wrote a book. Uh, he went to Howard University. And he ended up teaching in in Michigan. Farewell, I think. Farewell, I think his name is something like Farewell. I can't remember. It's been so long since I was involved in, in working on that film, so I forget a lot of the names and, and the research that was done on it. But anyway, uh, 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 Bill Kane, who uh, is really a, a, a great guy because it's not about, he never looked at it as about him. But he wanted to tell the truth and really um, give an example of the horror of slavery, you know. And I was surprised at Disney that they didn't want to do a kind of like Bambi film, you know, it, you know, wash over all the horror of it. You know, they really wanted to kind of uh, be honest about it, you know. And and I really give them credit for that, you know. Uh, for so, a TV movie, it does know. not shy away from difficult ma- story story matter story yeah, yeah. i was just going to say subject I was just matter say that yeah yeah they they would they were deliberate i, I guess because you know they're kind of and when i took the job i was kind of worried if they were going to have that sort of impact influence that well you know we can't show this but the irony of it is some of the things that they they have an audience that that expect certain things from disney you know and I was surprised that it wasn't necessarily the horror of slavery, but it was a look at the film. They didn't, you know, 
uh, I was talking to one of the producers of the film, and the, and and we had uh, where uh, Cheyenne lived in his projects in Alabama. That it was kind of like, you know, not well kept up. And so we kept it like that. And but the, the producer said, well, you know, our audience likes, you know, the the, the, the movies look good, you know, not dilapidated and everything. So we had to spruce it up a bit, the apartments they stayed in, you know, which was the only thing, except for one other incident we had, when Bill Cobbs was supposed to hold outlaw, the young man who wanted to marry the, the, his neighbor's slave, you know, uh, in love with her. And, and so he snuck over there at night and he got caught and he was going to get beat the next day by Waller, the, the character that Bo Bridges plays. plays. Mm-hmm. And they had they had everyone out in the field, and he was going to whoop this guy mercilessly. And but and he, and he wanted Bill Cobb's character to hold him down, you know, and while he beat him. And yeah. and and so we filmed it because we didn't know, you know, what were the the requirements that the, the Disney audience liked. So we filmed everything. And so we got it. We got a note back saying. When, when you know you 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 shoot it to edit it a certain way, and make it smooth, cut smoother, and things like that, and and so they said, well, you know, we can't have that scene in there because um, the audience have made this well have made this connection with the old man, Bill Cobb's character, and sure. you would break that bond, whatever that, that they formed, and so we can't do that. I'm saying, but we have to because uh, if we don't keep the continuity cutting wise it's going to be choppy and so they said well you know our audience will we argue back and forth about it and then yeah. so the, the the producer looked at it uh at the private screen looked at it and and found out that the cut cutting that scene out would look awkward you know and so um he uh, you know saw the light and, and said well yeah well was Put it back in, you know. It it it, it worked better uh, with it. Uh, and at the same time, they didn't mind having uh, a night job, you know, getting his fingers cut off. You know, so I, I was looking at that. I said, "Well, you want this? You you complain about this old man holding this guy down, and yet still you have a scene there with a guy getting his fingers cut off." You know, I, I I don't quite understand that. Anyway, we we come to a, we came to an agreement, and we kept. We kept that scene like it is intact, and so that was one of the, the other only other issue we had. Other than that, Disney was great about it, you know. Um, so I, I can't complain, you know. That's all. I, you know, I, I mean, do. They made a sto- oh, sorry. No, no. Please go ahead. Go. Ahead. I thought, I'm sorry. I was gonna say. Well, well, they made a story that needed to be told, and and they and they did an honest job about it, you know. So I give them a lot of credit for that, you know. Absolutely. I, I was I was just jumping in. Quick to say too, the the that that character in that particular scene you're talking about, Outlaw, played by the great G- Gabriel Cassius. He's yeah. like he's one of those like actors. I've just kind of been following him since I was a kid, and he always shows up in these great films. I I do think he's kind of like an unsung modern, yep, independent film hero. For those of you who don't know, what I'm talking about he was the he's the co-star. He's he's the main best friend in in New Jersey Drive. I think that's what most folks would probably know him as, but he's also the reformed Muslim in Get on the Bus um, mm-hmm. as well. He, he's done so much great stuff, so it's always nice. I mean, this whole cast is made up of such great kind of like unsung actors who, 
I, 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 in this case, I prefer to use unsung and not so much underrated because I think underrated is yeah. kind of it's a little watered down. But unsung, just everyone from Bo Bridges to Carl Lumbly, who he's still doing great work both in front of the camera and as a voice. He's he's kind of like in the pocket now with a lot of Marvel and DC uh, stuff. He does a lot of voiceover and mm-hmm. a lot of voice work, you know, for for them. But um, and and obviously um Lorraine Toussaint, yeah. Um, She's been just doing great stuff. It, I was just talking. I was talking to my wife yesterday because she's the co-star of Queen Latifah's new show, um, The Equalizer. Yeah. And now, I what I love about her so much now, which is kind of awkward, but like when she shows up in in in, in stuff now, post two thousand fifteen, people just can't stand her because she played her role so well in Orange Is the New Black. She was the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the second <laughs> or the third season, and she did it so well that when but like when she shows up now, everyone's just like, oh, her. Um, but I guess it's just a testament to how good she is in acting. Although in Night John, she plays the completely opposite. She's just this warm mother figure, oh, yeah. you know, to, to 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 the girl. But that was another great thing um, about this film. Again, just like the entire ensemble cast and everything, like you know. I what, think one of the other things I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times black actors and people of color. They they may get a role or something, and it's and it, and it sort of stains their career in the sense that, you know, they can play a bad character, and that'd be the only role they have for a long time or any time, and so you get this notion, uh, and it happens sometimes when you have a reading, you know, they they the casting agent, which is, can be a very wise person, very helpful, because there was a when I was doing, um, uh, Sleep with Anger. There was an mm-hmm. actress that came in, and I've only seen her in TV roles, and I've been kind of like, you know, they were like kind of not substantive roles, you know. And so uh, I, I mentioned, you know, well, I don't know about her. And the, and the casting agent said, look, don't look at her roles. Bring them in and read them. Right, yeah. You know? And, and uh, because, you know, they, 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 they take what they can get. Okay, and so I listened to that person, and the person came in and read the role, and this silly expression, "Oh, she blew you away." She did, you know. Yeah. And I, and, you know, and one of the the common comments I made made, and I got really had to say to myself, "Stop saying that." You know, actors would come in, and they would read, and you would say at the end of the reading, you say, dang, where were you? And I said, why aren't you doing more roles like, you know? And and it's obvious reason why, but you just, so, it's like when you go to Egypt and you see these, like Luxor pyramids and, and these uh, uh, big columns, you know, uh, at Luxor, and you say, well, how do they do this? You know, they did it, you know, and, and they had sure. a method. And so it's, and so you have to reorient yourself and say, and then you say, why, you know, why can't you do more role? And it's a shame that the audience, and I put it on, on, on audiences that don't ask for a diverse group of movies and roles and stuff like that where people can show their talent because, because when you see that they get the opportunity, they can move you to tears, you know, really grateful for I completely agree. You know, it's funny. I get, I get <clears throat> ever so often, I get into this conversation about the idea of like character actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the, obviously, 
some of the great character actors are folks like J.T. Walsh, Harry Dean Stanton. But after a certain point, uh, I think Ted, Ted, Ted Levine's also another great one. But Clue Gulliger. But I, again, all four names that I just, you know, mm-hmm. you know, read it off real quick. They're all white actors. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Beth Grant. She always kind of plays that stereotypical Southern woman, you know, in the movies. But it's usually white actors. And when it comes to character actors, I, I oftentimes feel like certain folks you know, are left off of that. Black actors are left off of the, like the character mm-hmm. actors, like, 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 like a Bill Cobb. He's, or he's such Carl a journeyman Lundley. and he just, or Carl, or Carl Lumbly. Like they, they show up in these roles or, and I, I, I don't believe you've worked with her, but I feel like Loretta Devine is another character actor mm-hmm. who never gets brought up in the conversation of character actor. Like she's the character actress, especially among like, you know, black actresses, but you know, but Carl Lum- Lumley and, and Bill Cobb are just so great in Night John. I mean, they're great in anything they do, which I always feel like that's such kind of a key to being a character actor. It's not so much that, like you play this like caricature or you play this prototype mm. so well, but you're just kind of always in the pocket and you do it kind of effortlessly. Like that's, I always feel like Bill Cobb, he always pulls off these kind of like, he just acts effortlessly. I feel like he's <clears throat> like that in real life. Like his yeah. kind of like, he, he has this kind of like, soul about him i guess is kind of the only thing that i can say you know he's um, very generous and kind sure I, I i believe that just i i have i do not know him but i but i definitely believe that and you know who else is like mary allison was just a terrific uh, sure. person to work with uh, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy that plays um oh, mary and, alice is another oh my gosh another yes she's another yes absolutely and yeah uh, uh, David Roberts, Robert Davis, I can't remember what order of his name, and he played in some great movies like Alex Bowl Incident and you name it, um, a number of great films, and I've always admired his work, and then when he came to, 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 to Sleep with Anger, he played Oka, and he... Yeah. One um, of my favorite characters. And he was such, I mean, the talent he had, and, you know, he just had so much to offer, uh, uh, a director, a young director, and that I think in all these cases, which would have been really great, is if you had young directors on the set when these guys were working, and they could teach you something. Yeah. And uh, and you just like I think that was one of the things. A lot of these guys died, unfortunately. And sure. I think the thing they should have brought them to the universities and schools and had them do workshops or something, and you would have. They would advance film on young people of all races who would have benefited from having seen how these guys work. And, and and the other thing was I was surprised was that when you look at their resumes, they, and the and the and the, and the work and the classes they took, and the experience was really really um, impressive. They did a lot of homework. They did a lot of uh, work uh, study. And uh, like small theaters, you name it, you know, and uh, and w- were just amazing to work with. Now I've worked with some actors that I wouldn't work another day with, you know, sure, sure. but they've been just. It's about them, and you say, look, we're trying to make a movie here, you know, and it's not about you know, just do what you're supposed to do. And yeah. they didn't have that 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 attitude, you know, like these actors. You want to work on and on and on again. You know, and there's some yeah. actors you wish you had more material before they died, 
you know, a lot of the actors in the sleep with anger die, die, and just painful to see that, yeah. you know, like great books that could have been written, the yeah. author don't have a chance. These are great actors that could have made a big difference in human relationships and empathy and all that stuff. Well, so, you know, <clears throat> oh, I was just saying, you know, this whole conversation in a way ties into something that Scott and I were talking about off off record before we started recording this episode and how going into Selma, Lord Selma, how <clears throat> uh, um, an oftentimes typecasted actor like Clifton Powell playing yeah. Martin Luther King <clears throat> is one of the most odd, but gra- I mean this in a good way. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if you know him from like Rush Hour 2 and Dead Presidents and Menace to Society, he's always this menacing, intimidating figure. Yeah. And then for him to play Martin Luther King is really like, oh, wow. But he also pulled it off. It's like, you have to, I have, like, I hadn't watched Selma Lord Selma in, oh, my God, I don't know, almost 20 years, I, I think. Uh-huh. And it's like, so over those years, so many, and, and before that, too, so many roles that he's associated with. And let me be clear, this isn't a criticism on Clifton Powell. Yeah. He's <clears throat> he's so good at what he does, and I think that's why he gets casted oftentimes as the character that he plays. But <clears throat> there's no remnants of his kind of like bad, evil, bad guy characters when he plays Martin Luther King. Like, was there, did you have to kind of like coach him a certain way to not bring that element into it? Or did he just kind of know what to do and just bam, he just went right into it? Or was there was there some kind of coaching beforehand to just like, you're not, you're not like the tough villain this time. You're Martin no, Luther King. No, he knew, or... no, he knew the character. He knew. Wow. Yeah. And so it wasn't anything except for just, Hey, let's let's shoot it. Let's have the time to to do it. And he came prepared all the time. He had the character down, and he looks like King, you know. Um, right. His head and everything, his haircut and everything. He just <laughs> he just reminded you of King, and he had that voice um, and everything. So no, he was a pleasure to work with. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's good to hear. Oh, I like hearing that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And also. I find it very interesting, you know, there are a couple things that, you know, Disney could go from Song of the South to then allow these this couplet of important stories of black history, which, you know, Selma, Lord Selma and Night John. And then I'm, you know, as we're talking about education and young people who didn't get a chance, it's hard for me not to think of the recently released Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, who is a is a friend of mine and was, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, that to me what was so powerful about Fred Hampton was the aspect of him teaching people and mm-hmm. encouraging the Chicago Black Panther Party and other members of and other people to, to learn and and understand difficult texts and take in these things. So it, it's it's very interesting to see the way that history historical movies have have grown in the past twenty five years. Yeah, definitely. Because it's sort of, I think one of the, the things that uh, I think needs to be done too is a whole period of reconstruction. And I wow. say that because I remember of all people, uh, and it's it was a surprise in many ways that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton had mentioned something about how Reconstruction was uh, problematic and was, maybe I think she said, sort of suggested it was the worst period in American history. Where if you understood, if you read, that was one of the best and most progressive periods in American history. 
It's a misunderstood time in American history. It's misunderstood, but it, it well it depends because it was off to what America should be. They had schools, education, banks, blacks had banks. They had uh, a progressive uh, unions were becoming integrated. All these sort of things were happening in the South, you know, and uh, then you had this idiot as a president, um, uh, was Andrew Johnson. That was the president after Lincoln, right? Andrew Johnson, and who destroyed all the progressive things that happened at the Civil at, at the cause of the Civil War, and then after, you know, just yeah. reverted all the the forty acres and the mule and giving people uh, 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 normal rights, you know, like slaves, normal rights, and yeah. just you know, and then later on you had one who, <laughs> what's his name? Um, uh, uh, the other president during the World War One uh, uh, from New Jersey. Uh, what's his name? Um, Eisenhower or Truman? No, 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 no. Before that, it was it was in 1960, 1970. The uh, uh, who's the who's the president then? You know, it was from New Jersey. Um, well, what? Let's wait. Let's wait for the the ring. Yeah, it's it's off now. Um, Hold on, we're gonna look it up right now. Is your yeah, you know, he came from New Jersey. Woodrow Wilson, who totally wrecked the the post office, because it used to be black people who who had jobs in the post office. He fired everybody, you know, all the black people. Now there'll be a picture, a story about him. So. I agree. Although it, it's funny, though, when you say that, though, like sometimes they make these movies and then they just end up being these, like, nice, sympathetic, kind of, like, savior movies. I don't know. Did you ever see that movie? That it was made on. It was a. I think it was a TNT movie about Strom Thurmond. Uh oh. Oh, it was really. Yeah, it just. It was like okay, he was racist, and then he was sorry. Like that's really kind of the gist of, 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 of what that movie was. So, you're right, yeah. but then I also worry about if it falls in the wrong hands, it'll just be some kind of like oh, yeah. forgiveness. Right. Um. So what I think is there. You know, it's there's a lot of potential. I. Marcus and I disagree about this movie, but I think the Free State of Jones illustrated post-Civil War politics and actions pretty well. But yeah, it's it's an it's an underutilized history that I think could yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there. Free what's it called Free State of what? Free State of Jones. What's that about? Is it, is it's with uh, Mahershala Ali and Matthew McConaughey. It came uh, out a few so years ago. It, it's pretty new. I have uh, largely. Oh, yeah. Are they driving on a cab or something across country or something? No, that's. Oh, no, that's, that's are you thinking of Green Book? That's a Green Book. Oh, that's Green Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- no. This is a, th- this came out before Green Book. No, okay. Yeah. No comment about that one. But Free yeah. State of Jones, which is directed by Gary Ross, which is a movie that I wouldn't have seen because a lot of people said that it was like a white messiah movie and not to check it out, but. I read a couple reviews by Adolph Reed talking about the significance of the film, especially lamenting what class struggle has done to America. So this is about Jones Country, Mississippi during the Civil War and the period immediately after it. And the unheard of stories of of sort of the affordances given to slave owners post-slavery that that's often not talked about. Mm -hmm. And I... I can't recommend this movie enough. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I wanted to also ask, not, not, not that it's like, it's some written rule, but she has acknowledged you before. So like when Meg, when, before she made the film Selma, was there any contact between you and Ava DuVernay? Cause it's, it's about the same story. Yeah. Essentially. Like you focused on this one character who was, who was a very real person, by the way, but it's just yeah. kind of, um, you know, all of these stories are true stories. In, yeah. In yeah. Selma. No, I, I didn't talk to her before that. No, I mean, I know. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. I mean, I no, we never discussed it. I, 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 she went to UCLA, and uh, there was one particular moment when I was in a class that uh, she was somehow involved in something like that. That uh, I came and spoke. But other than that, no, it was basically about film, art, and things like that. We talked on, on, on at this thing at UCLA. But no, we a great lady, I must say. Sure, sure. Great lady. Okay. And it's it's interesting too now now that you see I don't know if you've been keeping up with stuff like Lovecraft and and Birds of Prey but you know Journey Smollett is like yeah she's you know, uh, a big star now although it's like she's been a star since even before Selma Lord Selma um, oh yeah you know from Full House to now she's been doing great stuff I don't know if you've been keep keeping up with her career yeah she obviously is needless to say she she has a future <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. She's in the midst of it right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought Birds of Prey was awesome. It's actually the last movie I saw in theaters, uh, oh, and wow. I think it was an awesome action movie. And I thought her performance was really was really engaging. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. You should check it out. It, it, it's it's a fun pop, pop. It's a really fun pop popcorn movie. Um, but oh, before I forget. So between both films, so Night Night John and Selma Lord Selma, both you know a, a few years apart, but they're in this TV period. Was it a conscious effort? Uh, because what I got from watching both of these movies, especially recently as an adult and seeing them, I saw them originally when I was a teenager. What were these made with the idea to just like not 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 so much for children, but the kind of movie that like, and not even so much a family film, but the kind of film where like. A young kid can watch with their parent, and their parent can kind of navigate along the way, you know, and explain to them at the same time. Because that's kind of like I'm thinking, like, oh, this is the kind of movie that, like, these are kind of movies that, like, I would want to show my son outside yeah. of, like, you know, like when they're really young, you show them the cartoon, yeah. the mindless cartoon stuff. But like when it's time for them to see something of substance that isn't like cheesy, that isn't corny, that isn't spoon fed, yeah. Like, w- was that a thing where it's like, oh, I kind of want. I want to be able to have these kind of movies be able to shown like to be part of like an elementary school or like junior high school curriculum or have like a 10 year old watch it. Was that something that was intentional? Well, well, that appeals to me a lot because I remember taking my kids to a movie and they're like G movies, you know, and my oldest son, Steven, and I would uh, would go and my youngest son and uh, go to a movie. And I didn't know that these movies that they were for kids and everything but it had nudity in it right oh, and sure. so yeah. yeah and so he was sitting next to me and every time i realized that there was something going on like that i put my hands over his eyes you know and so we've been this in the in the in the chairs and he's scrambling around and trying to pull my hands down and everything you know yeah. and cause this commotion and but i've always been um concerned about that because my parents were like that you know there's certain things i couldn't you know she didn't you know if i the thing was that if i wanted to go 
to a movie on a Sunday, I had to go to Sunday school first, you know. And so it was one of those kind of things where they were very strict in a way. And it's like, if you have time to go to the movies and watch all that junk, you can go to church and so forth. And so, um, so that's, I guess, you know, I, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I'm sort of concerned about because I was on a corner near my house and they had this rap song on that was just really as graphic as can be, right? And it was loud as guys, it was on a hot dog snap. It was playing as loud as it can be almost all over the neighborhood. And these people were buying hot dogs and things for the kids. And everyone just standing around the thing and this music was going on. And you say, are, are anyone listening to this? Right. You know, and uh, uh, my mother would have got up and you said something to this guy or something, you know, because the old fashioned from Vicksburg, Mississippi, and um, you couldn't do that kind of craziness. And so there was a certain kind of respect and things like that in my neighborhood, people that adults and so forth, you know, because it was not, you know, but they had blues records and things that said went beyond in a certain sense, but it was kind of like mitigated by other things that made it not so, you know, you had to be in the know, you know. Like I used to listen to blues when I was coming up, and, and I didn't know what it meant until years later, you know, in many ways. Sure. But this is so in-your-face kind of thing, you know. But anyway, yeah, I, I in, in a way, yeah, I, I do. But I do like mature movies, and, and mature movies in the sense that the subject matter is is... Like when we would go to see movies at the city, it was an adult movie. It's not X-rated and kind of stuff like that. It was like when you went to see High Noon, uh, you know, things like that was a mature movie, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, High Noon. Uh, what was the other one? That was, uh, yeah, Shane and all that kind of stuff. You know, like movies adults. Come back, Shane. <laughs> yeah. Shane. Shane. No, I still watch that on occasion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I always I think that is I think that's kind of uh, another highlight of the film of these specific films that that we're talking about with you is that like I think in general for for film it's it's such a it's a rare balance because sometimes a lot of times even to this day when people say oh it's a family movie a lot of times it's really a movie for like seven year olds that like the adults who are accompanying them can just kind of tolerate but rarely is there a movie where like something if you're if you're six years old to 60 something years old like you can kind of gain something from it and i think both of those movies do that i think it's a rare balance i think you definitely captured it with 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 these two films and and even outside other stuff too but we're mainly just focusing on these films right now yeah still yeah yeah no it's fun when you can contribute something positive you know in a certain sense where kids can can go and uh you know see things and and say, you know, I saw this film and it changed my life, whatever it is, you know. I've, I've heard that on occasion, so I'm very happy about that. Oh, it's yeah. got to be a great film. I yeah. mean, hey, look, uh, you know, part of part of the fabric of me, you know, my dad, like, my dad, he liked movies. He wasn't what you'd call a cinephile, but he definitely mm-hmm. was just like, you know, it's weird. I don't, I, I doubt he have even made the connection, but like when Night John was on TV, it's like, hey, you're going to watch this. Or when To Sleep With Anger was on TV, it's like, you're going to watch this, you know. Luckily, I, you know, I enjoyed the movies. Normally when your parents make you do something, it's like, I don't want to, but, you know, I definitely th- 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 thank him for that. And like I said, I got to reiterate, I don't think he was familiar with, hey, this is Charles Burnett, but it's like a couple of your movies he was fascinated in. I th- probably just because they're 
black films that focus on black stories, but I, I it, it is kind of a funny little connection that some of the movies he made me watch were yours. They, they came from the same guy. So okay. I think that's cool. Good for him. No, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to get my son to watch uh, The Great Debate. It was The Great Debater. With, uh, oh, the Denzel Washington film. Yeah. yeah, The Great Debaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it sounded like a documentary to him, and he was like, he didn't want to go, you know. I said, John, I said, Stevie, let's go see this movie. You'll enjoy it. I had already seen it, and so um, he was like, nah, he was hesitant. And uh, so I, I sort of bribed him. I said, look, if you go to see it, and first I said, I bet you're going to like it. And I, I promised him something. I don't know what it was, you know. Right. So he came along reluctantly, and he sat in front of me on the other side. And so I was watching him as the movie progressed, and I saw that this smile on his face started to appear, you know. And yeah. and he kind of like you know kind of got into it you know, and uh, and I didn't say too much. I didn't cut, I didn't rub it in or anything like that. You know, he's, sure. he's happy that he came to see it and saw that you know it was a good movie you know. And uh, and you, you you could have also rubbed in the fact that you know one of the co-stars of that movie was in your movie when she was a little kid. You know, Jenny uh, Smollett's and is in the Great Debater. So so that's another kind of thing that you could have. Yeah, it's. Yeah, so filmmaking. It can yeah, it can just sometimes be hard to get people to watch certain movies, especially if they think they're you know historical movies don't always do the right job. I yeah. my my partner and I and and her family watched the the biopic about Hannah Arendt last last mm-hmm. week called okay. Hannah Arendt, and it really it was one of those movies that did. The biopic well because it just focused really on a mm. micro part like selma lord selma yeah focuses on one slice of history of, of the civil rights movement yeah. and by doing that you get this family story and and the horrifying issues and you know in in, Sel- in selma you know that's where that white preacher gets murdered that really happened they yeah. were and that yeah. was what that was what got a lot of religious white people involved in because they were seeing the the horrors and because the the Christian tradition of of being of of especially the episcopal tradition of of righteousness and education and giving people a voice sort of so, showed people that the stakes were really high yeah. and you know the the person. None of these, almost none of these people, went to jail for doing this stuff. No, yeah, and you know, and you know, you, you have to blame the U.S. and Jagger Hoover and the Justice Department, all that kind of stuff, allowing this to happen. Because um, you know, if they would have been hard on these guys, you know, this white supremacists and all these sort of people, the Ku Klux Klans and the racism. That would have happened as frequently as it did, you know, um, you know, because you know, in in New York and even in the what uh, later part of the nineteenth century, or the twentieth century, when the black people were lynched, and and they would have a a sign out that says there was a lynching today on the newspaper. There was a lynching yeah. today, you know, all over. The, and these people just, I mean, it was like you talk about Black Lives Matter. Good Lord, that was an ongoing a feature in this country. And uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I used to read some uh, literature from uh, uh, what's his name, R. R. Uh, Hannah Arendt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she went. Did she go to Sarah Lawrence? Oh, hold on a second. One other thing. What do these people keep calling me for? Uh, anyway, there's a lot of great people that 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 should be. You know, talked about and, and, and made films on, you know, and, uh, and maybe that encouraged people to to, to be more heroic and and uh, concerned about, um, you know, empathize with a lot of lot of a lot of these folks, you know. Yeah, totally. And I don't know. Have Have you had a chance to see Judas and the Black Messiah yet? Not yet. Well, I don't want to give away too much, but J. Edgar Hoover features in it, and yeah. you're you're able to see that he was someone who was very interested in taking away the power of the civil rights movement, and that for there's this hypocrisy that for a country that is supposedly built upon freedom, there's uh, a large part of the population has just been asking for their lives to matter since the country existed. Yeah. And it it just keeps on pulsing back. And there's still so much that is trying to delegitimize de movements. Yeah, I can imagine, because I think what, uh, I know that uh, Fred Hampton, because uh, I know Fred and I used to, to be a part of that group, um, you know, he had the same problem Martin Luther King was what he had ability to bring people together. And that mm -hmm. was a no-no in this country, particularly with J. Edgar Hoover. You know, you, um, in the same way they did with, with anybody who had a, 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 a different way, a more progressive way of thinking. You know, he was just obsessed with uh, uh, keeping, um, you know, black people down and, and and communism, and still, when when he denied the fact that there was a mafia, you know, nothing can be more dangerous than that, you know. I mean, you know, so it was just uh, misguided uh, uh, directions or whatever it is. Uh, didn't do anything about lynching or anything like that, you know. Have you seen any good movies recently that you enjoyed? New or old, any, any yeah, that that you hadn't seen before. New what? New movies, like anything, like new yeah, old, like yeah, anything yeah, you hadn't yeah, seen yeah, before. Yeah, like I, I, I did. I saw this several movies. I saw this this one about. Uh, it took place, I think, it was Argentina. Something about the. It's about this mole, in the. Um, uh, Old folks home or something like that. I forget what it's called. It's about this older guy who they uh, get to spy on on these uh, convalescent home. I think it's in in Spain or Argentina. And this older guy and he goes in there to investigate how they're treating this elderly lady. The know? mall agent. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen that? No, no, I, 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 I haven't. It's a. It's really. Uh, low-key, terrific film. It just, you know, uh, 
I mean, I was re I really enjoyed it. I think the actors and other people in there were really, really great. And I think that's one of my favorite. I liked Greyhound, the one with Tom Hanks and, and, the, and the naval battle. Have you seen that? Not yet. It's, it, it's, it's really moving. I mean, once it gets started, after 10 minutes, it's just like, shoo, it's like a roller coaster ride. And he did a great job. The, 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 uh, the, the, um, the acting, uh, the blocking of it, you know, the, just the flag, everything sort of works in the music. And it, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really good. And since, you know, since Das Boot, Das Boot, whatever it's called, Das Boot, uh, which yep. was a good, yeah, Das Boot. Um, this is, uh, I think, one of the better uh, uh, military, uh, army or navy films that came out. It just was just great to watch. And there's this other one called this, The Boy State or something like that. Oh, uh, Boy State. Oh, yeah, Boy we, State. Oh, we we oh we saw that. Yeah, I liked that a yeah. lot. Yeah, it was very. Yeah, there were. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed watching it. It definitely the stuff surrounding it is a little questionable, I guess. But as a documentary, yeah, I I I, I enjoyed it. Well, it shows you where that that white supremacism and and all this craziness where people uh, start off early wanting to be. Uh, you know, someone in, in, in Congress or something like that, you know, whatever. And and how they already had this attitude, already had this meanness embedded in them or something, you know. Uh, but that's why, you know, watching that movie, I, the, 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 well, I was going to say character. He's a real person. The guy, uh, Rene Otero, who actually has been following up with, he's, uh -huh. he's actually, he's, he's been doing some great stuff post uh, Boy State documentary uh -huh. and just, but just, I've been in situ whether it's like sports camps or where I went to school. I've been in these situations where oftentimes I am the only black person, so I know what that's like. So seeing him there, I remember being like anxious for him in so many scenes, or like nervous yeah. for him, just to kind of essentially be a loner. So I, I think that was another reason why that movie stood out so yeah. much to me. Yeah, the Boy State is is a movie about this um, model government in Texas. Yeah, and you just sort of see that there are different types of people that go into politics, people yeah. that that come out of this idealism and then people that have this like ideologue factor to it where the the I say character, one of the, 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 some of the young people we deal with in that movie come from idealism yeah. and maybe naivete. And then there are yeah, people yeah. that are just like, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of K street. I'm willing to do anything. There's a, there's, sociopathy to a lot of yeah. po political ideals. Yeah, they remind me all the people in Congress, you see like Ted Cruz and all these folks, you know, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, will sell out in a minute to get ahead. It doesn't take yeah. much to change their ideology to, to be like these people that invaded the Capitol, you know. But I like the film a lot in many ways, you know. Some of the characters in there I had trouble with, but other than that. Yeah, sure, sure. Like the... The, the young kid, Stephen Garza, like watching people just try to destroy this good natured guy. Yeah. Really, really frustrated me. And yeah, I was also like Rene Otero. I was worried about him. And, yeah. you know, you worry about people's souls as they get crushed by the realities of life. And some of the young characters using conservative agendas was was really disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a film that young people, uh, maybe fathers should take their kids to go see and things like that and have it, uh, 
you know, go to IHOP and have a discussion about what this scene or whatever it is. I don't know. But uh, no, it was, I, I, there was some others too. I was trying to think. Uh, and there was one I saw on, 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 on Netflix that was one of the worst films. It was several, one of the worst films I've seen. Um, it's called, called The Red Dot. I don't know if you saw that. Which one? No. It's the called Red the, Dot? Yeah, The Red Dot. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. It's on Netflix. And at the end of it, I said, God, who made this film? Who greenlighted this? You know? <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't know this. Well, that's another... I don't want... This is a whole other podcast, but these days, the way that certain streaming platforms and streaming companies release movies, they just do it so frequently. You can't even keep up with anything. Like, things just show up yeah. I just find these, these platforms. Like, what is this? I find yeah. these movies that are built off of you know, algorithms to be mostly soulless and ephemeral mm -hmm. and so disposable. Mm. And it gets me so worked up, especially because all we have right now is entertainment. Because I don't, I mean, I don't go out as much as I used to, yeah. which is an, which is the understatement of the year. I don't go out. There, there, There's nothing to do. And cinema is one of the, the things that we have and when you see these movies that are created mostly i feel like are made from using focus group data of netflix of like people like these these movies these series these things and making like movie by aggregate yeah just isn't very interesting to me but when you and say much, sorry. Oh, so when you say movies by algorithms, how do you mean? What do you mean by that? I've never heard that expression before. I'm wrong. Well, so what I think of is there are these Netflix movies that really seem to be fitting in, like trying to do fan service of what they think people like. Yeah. You know, Netflix doesn't share their data, but very often, and you see these movies that have hot, powerful actors with subject matter that just feels that it's being culled from looking at data of movies. Not I mean, I can't prove any yeah. of this, yeah. but not necessarily people being like, I want to make this movie about this. They're like, what do we think the algorithm will suggest people will like? Gotcha. Did you see the Denzel Washington's latest film, uh, A Little Bitty Things? What's the same thing? Yeah, yeah, The Little Things. I did, yeah. 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 Was that one of those kind of things? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think HBO Max is as guilty of this because the movies, most of the movies that they've gotten that they're releasing, were meant to be Warner Brothers releases that were uh -huh. going to be released into theater. And I don't. Netflix hasn't done this as much with theatrical releases, and I don't think HBO Max yet has access to people's viewing data as much as and viewing habits as much as Netflix does gotcha. and uh, I just know that that Warner Brothers is pivoting to do digital releases this year because they're they're realizing that there's movie theaters just aren't going to work and you know whatever they're doing is working HBO Max and Disney Plus are through the roof right now mm -hmm. and I, I don't have too many comments about Disney Plus or or the or WandaVision or whatever, but the, you know, it's just 
a lot of this stuff just isn't really designed for me in mind. Though I will mm-hmm. see the we'll say the first Lego movie was bizarre and wonderful. Uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah, dude. it was. I haven't watched the film for a while, but yeah, it is. Because I was thinking about movies that are like for kids, because we were talking about that, and obviously it's not. It doesn't really have the the weight of the films you've made, but it's a it's a film for kids that I that I just truly enjoy or or Babe Two Pig in the City. Just occasionally there are movies that are that are made for kids that are just totally psychedelically weird. But I I know I'm working off of a tangent, mm-hmm. and I feel like Netflix makes a lot of action movies that I don't even remember what they're about. I, and, I agree. I watch most of them, and then maybe. A day or two or a week later, I'm like, oh, did I watch that? <laughs> Which goes back to the point that I was I was, I was making before. Like, yeah, dispos- like Master Ace, disposable art. Yep. Like I look at I look at the list of movies I saw last year and I'll be like, oh, what was that? What was that? What was yeah. that? What yeah. was that? Yep. Yeah. I do that as only about a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've you know, I've only seen a few movies of 2021, but, you know, Minari was excellent. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. did you, were you, did you see Minari? Yes, I did. And oh, what what did you think? I, I thought it was very delightful. In fact, uh, a Korean friend of mine, I highly recommended it. And, and uh, you know, so, yeah, it, it should do very well. I forgot about that. I shouldn't have forgotten about it, but I was really moved by it in many ways. I mean... It's so some. It was like a person who understood uh, empathy and and how to get it, you know, and how to portray it, and uh, it, it, you know, and make it make uh, understand people and make life interesting and and uh, you know, it just wasn't uh, like I saw, uh, which was a dumb movie, but I guess kids <laughs> like it. Was um, was it WW Wonder Woman eighty? Something another. What was that thing? Oh yeah, the Wonder Woman sequel. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I'm sitting there watching. I'm saying, why am I watching this thing? And at the end of the day, I mean, it tries to, to 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 do something at the end by by you know talking about all these bringing up all these things and trying to. to I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people felt that way. You're you're not alone on that. They're both movies that try to show empathy, but, you know, what is it like your your second grade English teacher says to you, show us, don't tell us? So yeah. Minari, Minari shows empathy just by presenting yeah. a story of the American dream for other people, for for populations that we might not have encountered before. Where, where mm-hmm. like the end of Wonder Woman is just her telling people to to be kind. Yeah, it's like it's it's I I don't like I don't like like talking crap about movies that don't mean much to me, but I yeah. do find like vacuous empathy to be really unnecessary because yeah. it's just meaningless. But yeah, but I think if you're trying to tell, show someone how to write, you know, or something like that, then it has some relevance and importance you know you say you don't do this you know don't make right which like is this yeah, yeah i mean make i would i i'm comfortable saying make movies like minari versus making movies oh, like yeah. wonder woman 84 i'm comfortable yeah. with that 
Yeah. You know, because even as even as far as like pop maximalism, I think there's more interesting, more fun ways to do bizarre movies on a grand scale, like the yeah, Lego movie. I, I, I agree. <laughs> like yeah, the Lego movie is how you do it. Lego movie is how you do a psychedelic big budget picture or, yeah. you know, Babe, Babe 2, Pig in the City or Southland Tales or any movie that the Wachowskis make. There's a way to do it. But I, yeah. I, I do find I do find a lot of modern pop filmmaking to be vacuous. Yep. But that's that's me. I'm glad you like Minari <laughs> though. You know. Oh yeah. Eight. Like we were uh, we we were able to get screeners of that and Boy State and they were yeah. they were they were delightful. Those those were like little shining rays of light in in a challenging year. Yeah. It certainly was. It is. Yeah. So, um, sorry. No, I was just gonna say we're, we're wrapping up. This this whole conversation has just been great. As as was the last one. I mean, it's always great having having you on, Charles. Yeah. So with me, it just goes everywhere. I apologize. It's just e- like, no. This is uh, even without you. Our our show usually goes ev- ev- everywhere, which is I think that's our okay. thing. So you you yeah. so that's why you fit in so perfectly. Yeah, you're part of you're part of the zebras zebras framework fabric. I know, like yeah, we've been talking about your movies. You're... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. We've been talking about your movies since we started, and now we've had you on twice, and it's it's really wonderful. Yeah, I was gonna. We get to say returning guest Charles Burnett. Okay, but well, well, I understand they're gonna be showing they're gonna be showing Annihilation of Fish this Sunday in New York. It's gonna be streaming somewhere. And I didn't know they had it on YouTube. Yeah, oh, well, get... I think they had it illegally on 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 YouTube, or maybe you could rent it. Uh, it was it's, it's free. I'm just from from someone just just dial it up, whatever you call it, you know, and find right, YouTube right. Find it, and they can watch all of it. I always worry about the quality of the prints you find on those things, but no. sure, sure. So you're you're yeah. saying it's going to be streaming in New York, or it's it's going to be on t- on on the you know. On your computer, uh, on YouTube, just go on YouTube, and uh, and there's going to be a discussion about it or something, because uh, it has been shown since it was at uh, Toronto Film Festival. You got an awful review that killed it. T- uh, Todd McCarthy oh, reviewed it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was able to find a copy when when I was trying to watch every single movie you made, mm-hmm. and I found. I'm I'm seeing that that Turner Classic Movies has has a site about talking about fish, which is yeah there it's a movie about um, James Earl Jones playing a a Jamaican man who who has a voice in his head and an unlikely relationship with with poinsettia in California living in a border house. Yeah. And it's a really interesting, fascinating movie. If if you you know ever want to come back and and talk about that one, that could be, that could be awesome. Yeah, no, because Paul Heller was a producer on it. He was a great guy to work with. You know, you don't find too many good producers that, you know, you don't have any problems with. And he was just ideal. You know, he wanted the the the, the crew to be diverse. He was the first one who stepped off the bus and said, "We got to make this crew look like, you know." Uh, this country, like America, and we want 
you know, um, people of color and all that sort of thing, be populate the crew and this sort of thing. And he was really great about that, you know. And so he just died just a couple of weeks ago, and it's unfortunate. But uh, he's like, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, one of these guys you, you wish you could work with all, always, you know. And so he was great. I also got to shout out another great thing about the Annihilation of Fishes. I mean, he's not in many scenes, but uh, Tommy Redmond Hicks uh, is in that film. As he has a, he's also in The Glass Shield, and you know he started out with Spike Lee. Oh yes. Um, he's in you know Ju- um, um, Julie Dash's uh, Daughters of the Dust. He's another one of those like unsung heroes, and specifically in like black independent film, he's just one of those kind of like pillars. Of, yeah. of, of that scene. Very smart guy too. Very smart. Mm-hmm. And very nice to get along with. I talked to him almost every other day. So. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, he's and Cy Cy Richardson. I have to give a shout out to him because he's been. Oh, well, that's oh, that's your guy. Yeah, yeah he's been very supportive. Oh, yeah. All these people have been very supportive. I must say, over the years, so I, I can't say enough about it. Well, I mean, you're you're a legend, so it's not hard yeah. to support. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I wish the studios would, would think of that in those terms. But it's like, well, we don't want to work with him. You know, you get these reputations where if your film doesn't make money, it's like, get away yeah, from me. Sure. Yeah. I well, just your say, work is you still, know, oh, go ahead. Work is sig- significant whether it makes money or not. That's what I said. <laughs> gets me so mad. Got me mad now, you know. Yeah, that's the sad part about this business. Yeah. Well, regardless, we're here. How many years later, still talking about your film? So, I understand, you know, what you had just expressed, but at the same time, your work is still relevant to us and many others because folks, they, 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 they love your films, and obviously, we love having you on the show. So, so I think that counts for something. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. lot of course, of course. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime. Absolutely, anytime. Thank you. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me round. I'm gonna keep on walking, Lord. Keep on talking, Lord. Marching to the freedom land. Ain't gonna let no sheriff turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Ain't gonna let no sheriff turn me round.